Music and fun. Miskin Radio. So, so Rose, now we're going to go on to acting in a bit, um, but at the moment you're doing a PhD looking at storytelling. Yeah, that's right. So I'm doing some research into stories at the moment, the way that people tell them and the ways that we receive them and that we understand them. Um, because stories are super interesting because humans are the only animals that create and tell stories. And we spend a massive amount of money and time doing that on engaging with stories, whether it's through reading or film or theatre or interactive video games increasingly with um, advances in technology so I'm as you know I'm an actor and so I'm interested in how kind of interactive storytelling works and the psychological effects that that can have. Can it be a story if there's no audience? So if it's just like a story you're telling to yourself? I think so, yeah, because in, in a sense then you would be your own audience. That's a good point. Yeah. So they would never, so it's, it's essentially is every utterance, every spoken word part of a story well it depends on how you define a story so I guess a lot of what goes on in general conversation can be quite fleeting and it can be quite spontaneous and it's not really been thought through necessarily whereas I would define a story as something that's been carefully constructed something that's been thought through and something that's designed to give some kind of a message or entertainment mm. like with Kelly so when you like your, your songwriting do you does it have to have a story or something like do you think of this as, as a story as like a yeah like every song is a story uh, yeah, I think so. I think um, even when you're doing uh, covers and things as well, it's easier to remember when the song is telling a story as to, you know, if it's just random words put together, which a lot of them are. Um, they're the ones that are. So you'd like, you'd remember the lyrics a lot easier if, if you know like, there's a narrative. If there's a story to tell, yeah. Um, and I think it's a lot easier to connect with an audience if you're telling a story as well. They mm. buy into it a lot more. I mean, this show wouldn't exist without stories because the whole idea is that I get on actors, comedians, and musicians, and all three are storytellers. Isn't it really? There's no if with, art, art doesn't exist if there's no story. You know, there's a, a painting is 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 a story, isn't it? Every, every piece of art ever in in humanity is, is telling a story. Um, I think. Am I right? Yeah, I think I think, so. it, I think it does, or at least it gives an opportunity for someone to interpret Inter- a story. Yeah. Yes, because it's yeah. certainly not just one story. Whereas I guess with like like a comedian, if I'm on stage telling a story, there's only one way to interpret it because I'm like telling it. Like you can't really interpret a funny story more than one way. But a picture, I guess. It's quite easy. You, you can you can interpret a picture or a song in different ways as well. Yeah. Um, what's the thing about reading before a date? I, I quite like this. Oh, yeah. So there's been this really interesting research over the last few years that's shown that if you read classical literary fiction, so what we think of as being kind of highbrow fiction, that it has an immediate uh Uh, benefit for your understanding of other people so the way that you interpret other people the way that you can understand what they're thinking and feeling and how you empathize with them so there there was some media outlets that suggested a couple of years ago that you might want to read something like James Joyce or a piece of or Shakespeare before a date and if you did that it would make you really good on your date because you would be able to understand what your date was thinking and feeling and act accordingly but the the research in the area is kind of mixed so we don't know whether it's about classical literature we don't know what different genres might have an effect and so that's some of the stuff that I'm looking at in my PhD do you know anyone that's done that uh, read before a date. Yeah, well, um, I I don't I don't know anyone personally that's done mm. that, but I think it might be worth a go. I want to. I, I'm sure that I'm just like I can totally get it though. I totally, yeah. I totally understand like the idea of, of empathy as well. Yeah. Um, sort of the story creates empathy, but then again, like 
Does it, how does it improve people's social skills? Well, the idea is that when you're reading about characters and what characters are doing, you have to use your imagination to kind of fill in the gaps, to give that character a backstory and to understand why they're doing those things. And in complex literature, they might do things that are contradictory or not what you would expect. And so you have to use your psychological understanding to make sense of it. And so then you kind of, you practice that ability when you're reading so that you can then take that into the real world. So just like you practice anything else when you're reading or um, consuming fiction in any way you're practicing your social abilities because you're reading about characters because like with, with the thing that humans are the only ones who tell stories i guess it's only fiction stories isn't it because with like say like a, a colony of animals is being attacked by another colony one animal will go back and tell the colony we're being attacked or like yeah. a warning essentially it's telling a story but obviously that's fiction so is that kind of saying that animals don't tell each other lies well um i i think what it's kind of saying is that Oh, you can tell a story that's factual as well. And I think I think the, the, the stuff in the psychology area is more about having characters that you can relate to. And those characters could be animals because if you think about, you know, something like Finding Nemo. Animal you, Farm, you know, like one of yeah, the most yeah, famous. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And so you can, you can humanise those characters. You can give them um, personalities. And so it doesn't necessarily rely on being human. But, but humans are the only animals that kind of create narratives and create stories to share um, beyond just communicating social information. And how does it affect you now that when you go like, when, you, when you're going for an audition or things like that, like, do, you, do you really look at the psychology of acting far more than you've ever done before? Does it kind of ruin it for you? Well, I've always found it quite interesting how um, actors, when you go for an audition or when you're doing a role, you have to become somebody else. And thinking about the effect that that has on your sense of self in your daily life. Because when you're performing, say, a really hard-hitting role where maybe your character is going through an emotional experience of some kind or something terrible has happened to them, and you have to create that emotion in order to perform it, that isn't fake. You know, that emotion is still real. You're mm. really feeling that the emotion is genuine. And so what does that do to you when you you walk away from that role do you continue to carry it with you and those are questions that haven't really been looked at in psychology and that I guess, I guess like the most the most obvious answer is sort of Heath Ledger is the yeah. Joker yeah this idea that if you do sort of method acting or the styles which involve really integrating the character with yourself and your own memories and your own imagination that there could be detrimental effects for you afterwards if it's not kind of carefully managed although I'm sure in that situation there might have been other things at play we don't know so this is uh, actor Rose Turner and we've also got a musician Caddy Malpas so Caddy's going to be doing uh, two live songs in around about ten minutes right here on Miskin Radio so that is a mountain and by Dan Clues and it's from the album Wild Middle England Moses Lawn do definitely suggest to go out and buy that album um, so we're with uh, actor Rose Turner and uh, musician Caddy Malpas here tonight um, Callie, what? Now, I know you've done some busking. Yeah. Uh, what's the weirdest thing you've been given instead of money? <laughs> um, you get given all sorts. Mainly food. People tend to think that I'm starving, um, though clearly by my physique I'm not. Um, so I get a lot of food given to me. Um, I've had key rings. I've had, um, I've had some guy gave me his lucky dice once, oh. um, which I actually took as one of the biggest compliments I've ever had. You know, he'd, he'd had this dice and he said, you know, I think, I think you should have this. So, um, yeah, that was pretty cool. What's, what sort of food is it? Is it good food? Is it? <laughs> um, I've had, I didn't even know we got Twinkies in England, but mm. I got a Twinkie. Mm. Um, that was interesting. Um, I can't say I, I eat the stuff I'm given generally. Um, <laughs> well, what happened with like the, the pears? You, you nearly created <laughs> oh, bless pear her. There's, cider. There's a, like a lovely lady um, 
in Dartford, bless her, and she had no money and she really wanted to give me something and she'd just bought some pears from Dartford Market. So um, she gave me two pears and, and it, you know, I was very, very grateful. I put them in my bag and then forgot I'd put them in my bag and the next time I went busking, I had cider in, <laughs> in the bottom of my bag. And you've, was, you've, you created a pub and you, you're doing really pretty well. Pretty much, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah the music maybe. went out the window and, uh, yeah. I mean, we've, like... What's like? What's your approach to it? Do you do you try and get people to stay and watch you, or do you just kind of see it as a consistently moving object that's like, as in the audience consistently moving is not going to be any constants? Um, I I treat it as um, as any normal gig, to be honest. Um, though you have to, you know, you uh, you have how to though because it's nuts. It I is mean, crazy. It's, it's, it's like it it's, is crazy. It's totally nuts. You're you're. It's the jungliest of gigs. It's like you're, you're performing <laughs> on a concrete jungle. And yeah, people, totally. No one's going to sit there. But it's no also kind of more rewarding because when you do a normal gig, a, a pub or something, people are coming there to see music. Mm. So when you're you're performing in the middle of a street and somebody stops and you've taken them away from whatever it is that they're doing on their you know their day to day life, um, that's kind of more empowering than than a normal pub gig. You know, um, I find kids are just mesmerised. Um, and I think a lot of children don't get the opportunity to see live music because it's in pubs and mm. kids can't go. You know, all of a sudden there's somebody and they're creating but this noise. have seen a guitar before either, maybe. Like. No, exactly. So, you know, you see the parents are dragging these children off down the road and they're kind of looking back. It's, it's, it's lovely. It's, you know, it's a really nice... I used to, like, when I was a kid, I used to wanted my mum to give them money because like, I didn't know what money was. Like, yeah. I didn't really have the power of money. So, like, I was like, I'll oh, give them money. Like, give them money. <laughs> so, you've got to get the kids. You've got to get totally. the kids. Totally. Oh, the, like, yeah, definitely. Do you do the thing as well, right, where you, you have loads of money? Like, do you put money in, in your, like, house? Because <laughs> like, I've, like, I've seen people with, like, like you walk past someone and they're not very good and they've got loads of money in there and you're thinking <laughs> where's that come from if Isn't I'm totally honest I have a float this yeah. sounds well, terrible you've got, doesn't it well, you've got I to, have though, a surely. five pound float in my guitar case and and the only reason I have that firstly is you know you, you throw it in there and, and it, I suppose it does encourage people to add to it but secondly because I'm always forgetting everything and I'll get there and busk and I think if I haven't got any money from busking I still need to pay for my parking <laughs> and I say, <laughs> so know, it's more functional so yeah you? it's it's totally has anybody ever asked for change <laughs> if, if you've got like if you've got if you've got a float like, I'll give you I'll give you two pounds but I want a pound back no Ed, no generally That'd not be awful, no. wouldn't it? <laughs> but that oh, that would be diabolical. And but like Rose would like the idea of acting. Would you would you do that on as, as, as busking? Because you can do acting as busking. I guess you can't really do stand up as busking, but you can. Can you? Yeah, you? I've, I've done sort of street theatre before, but we don't we don't ask for money. Although thinking about it, maybe that's been a mistake. But, how, but like with the street theatre, though, isn't it? Can it be like a thirty minute play? So it could you've be, got to properly like know the whole thing it could be a really yeah it could be an established play that you you do or you could do something interactive where you're improvising maybe with people on the street mm. so something unexpected that comes up and you interact with people could do something like that yeah because like the best ones i've seen are in, in, in Edinburgh festival where there's like a street acts and they're just they you get like 500 people just surrounding them because they get there's like street artists that are on big unicycles things like that and it's all cobbled street in, in Edinburgh so there's general risk of injury things like that and it, it, and it just amazes me because that 500 people surrounding you and you know there's at the Edinburgh Festival it's nuts you've got so much going on yet you get 500 people wanting to just watch this one street artist and then they do their hour show or half an hour show on, on the street and then someone else comes in and someone else comes in, and, some, and it's like a drill, like it's it's like a stage, but it's just it's it's just the cobbles, and they treat it like a stage. It's amazing. They're, the best things I saw at the Edinburgh Festival for the last two years I've been up there doing comedy were the street performers by a mile, and there's incredible amounts of talent, acting, comedy, everything in Edinburgh. But the, the, just the idea of 
I think street performing is so risky. I think it's so raw and naked. Yeah, I don't totally. think you're ever more naked as a performer than when you do it in front of people that haven't come. They've got no interest in watching you because, yeah. they, as, as you say, Kelly, they haven't come out their front door to watch you, have they? And not everyone likes it. You know, you do get the odd, but, you know, stop stop screaming while I'm trying to do my shopping. You know, that, do they, have, you, have you had that? Well, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, not a lot, I have to say. And it kind of does, it really restores your faith in humanity sometimes because people are so lovely, you know, and they, they genuinely... Um, they want to come up and speak to you. Mm. It kind of breaks that barrier. I suspect, that I, think... lot, I suspect a lot more people want to do, but they're shy. They're probably yeah. Too... I'm, I'm yeah. very shy of going up to a performer and saying, but oh, I think, you know, I really, even I think just really talking to people in general has become something of the past. You know, we do everything by text now and, uh, and just striking up a conversation with somebody you don't know. Mm. Um, it just doesn't happen very often. And it kind of breaks that barrier a little bit. You know, so people... I guess, I mean, I don't know if you've had it. Is, is there, have you ever like got a tweet or a message from someone saying, like, listen, I saw you were busking. I thought you were really good. Yeah. If you had yeah, that. Yeah. So which, but they could have just come up to you anyway, couldn't they? So it's, of course, okay. yeah. But they, but it... they chose not to. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's, let's do your first song. Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll let you introduce it. Okay. Um, I'm Callie Malpass, and this is Untrue.
Kelly Malpas in session with her track Untrue. Uh, she could be doing another one in around about 10 minutes' time, and you're going to be able to watch that as well on Facebook. If you go onto the Miskin Radio Facebook page, you'll be able to watch it as she does it. Uh, right now, though, we've got a, a lovely special track uh, from Pedestrian Zero. Um, he's from Yash Green. His real name is Toby Hawkins, a stage name Pedestrian Zero. It's called Double Plus Ungood, of course, from the 1984 book by George Orwell. Um, and it was our world exclusive last week with the first radio station on earth to play it. And uh, this is, I guess, the second ever play. This is Empathy Test. Big fans of those. It's Isaac and Adam from London. Electro-pop production duo. It's called Vampire Town. Uh, but now we've got our second live song to look forward to from uh, Callie Malpas. If you want to watch it as well, as well as listen to it, uh, go on to the Miskin Radio Facebook page, um, M-I-S-K-I-N, and you can watch her as well as listen to her. So I'll let you introduce your second song. No pressure there, then. Mm. None at all. <laughs> Um, This is one of my originals called We're Just Fine.
Callie Malpas with her second uh, live song, We're Just Fine. And you can listen to the entire session again and the interview again uh, for free, for free, yeah, uh, by downloading and subscribing to the Kieran Paul Sessions podcast on iTunes. And that was blooming delightful. Thank oh, you very thanks. much for that. Um, now it's time for this. Worst jobby wobby, worst jobby wobby, worst, worst, worst. Worst jobby wobby, worst jobby wobby, worst. This is a bit where we talk about, uh, I guess, worst jobs ever done. Uh, some actors, comedians, and musicians tend to do the strangest of jobs uh, while they're doing, uh, well, sort of while supporting themselves in their art. Um, Rose Turner, tell us about the bear. Oh, yes, the bear. <laughs> well, I did a job once for a, um, a well-known home furnishing store, which I won't mention their name, but they're, they're famous for flat pack furniture. And, uh, and my job was to dress in a giant bear outfit so kind of a you know seven foot bear complete with full bear arms legs and head and uh, which was hard to see out of by the way and uh, and entertain or bring joy to disgruntled children being dragged through the shop by their parents um, so my job was just to be a bear um, in the children's bedroom department and um, and there the children would come and and interact with me and I would bring them lots of joy um, although I have to say it didn't bring me a great deal <laughs> of joy myself as um, some of the older kids kind of sensed that maybe I wasn't actually a real bear and so they would try and pull off my head and things which you have to avoid because that can be quite traumatic to younger children if the the their beloved bear's head comes off and uh and and they would kind of be you know grabbing you in unusual places trying to work out if you were a girl bear or a boy <laughs> bear um so just more kind of you know not not really what you're sort of looking for um from your day job and uh and i remember one child in particular actually just decided that the bear was the perfect outlet for all of his rage and just attacking and punching the bear while his dad just kind of looked on and didn't seem to think there was any issue with with beating up the bear so so um, they say, don't they, that you shouldn't work with children or animals. And I think I can extend that to, to your listeners to don't say, don't work with children while dressed as a bear. Kelly uh, was saying like how uh, uh, people walking along doing their shopping, you know, like you, you might, they say you, they feel that you're in their way by doing busking. You're in their way by being a bear while they're doing their shopping. <laughs> Very true. Essentially what we've learned is don't get in the way of people doing their shopping. You can't do it. Um and was it what was it a polar bear? Was it a brown bear? It was a brown bear. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would it have been in, no? It wouldn't have been any different if you were a polar bear. I'm just, that's a silly thought. Um, Callie, <laughs> now tell us about 
the in, the 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 book job yeah mine wasn't half as exciting as yours um in fact it was possibly the most mind-numbingly dull job i've i could have ever imagined um i was a collator which which sounds quite exciting until you work out actually what it is is it's just um somebody that walks up and down a table that's about as long as a factory for eight hours a day picking up bits of paper and putting them in an order to make a book or a manual or something else with a million pages that apparently machines don't do. They use real live humans, struggling so, musicians so for that. Like they're, So all the page ones are in a pile, the page two or the yeah. page two. And what's like the longest book you did, like 500 pages, something like that? Um, oh my God, I can't even... It, if it was a big book like that, then you would do it in batches. So you'd do like the first third of the book yeah. and then the next, because you wouldn't really have a table long enough. But, you know, most most manuals and stuff are a couple have of Have you seen Bruce Almighty? Anyway. With the yeah. filing cabinet that goes out and it goes on that's forever. A, that's yeah, what you need. That's how it is, you know. So, Did you, have you ever got the pages in the wrong order? Shh. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> of course. So you someone's know, reading a book thinking, what? what? Eight hours a day, you know. But, yeah, we, we just... Romeo and Juliet died at the beginning? What? Exactly, exactly that. You know, well, you know, it's a poetic license, isn't it? That's what I, I would call it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was about storytelling. You were just creating your own stories. Exactly, were... yeah. It's my own interpretation. So is that how like, all books happen? Like, it's not, like, I don't think that... all books happen like that, no. Um, I think, you know, I'd feel really sorry for somebody that had to collate every version of War and Peace. But, you yeah. know, I would imagine those are done on a bit bigger scale. But, yeah, certainly for, for smaller runs, um, yeah. That, Did you get that any paper cuts? hundreds of paper cuts it was like you know for a guitarist to do a job like that is is just yeah, not gloves? very intelligent no no and and the whole finger licking thing is you know you, you can't do that oh, for eight hours a anyway. day i don't like so that. you know you'd have a little um a little sponge that mm, was wet and mm. you do you know you do the, the finger like licking in the bank the sponge. yeah um but yeah no it was it was horrific very very dull the gateway to your community, Miskin Radio. Hello, Kieran here. Thank you for downloading. If you get your podcast on iTunes, don't forget to click the subscribe button so you get a free podcast delivered to you every Thursday of our best bits from that week's show. And also, on iTunes, do leave a review as well. We love those. And on Facebook, there's loads of video content you can watch as well. Just search the Kieran Paul Sessions. Bye-bye. <laughs>